Hey guys, welcome to Electronic Dance Money, your number one business resource for making money as electronic musicians and producers. Hello and welcome back to another brand new episode of Electronic Dance Money. I'm your host, Christian Casido, and we're back with a new guest. I'm super excited for this one because this is going to like be the secret sauce that I think every producer is looking for. So I welcome you, Matthew. Thank you for joining us. Remind me, how do you say your last name? I forgot to ask you that. Uh, yeah, well, thanks for having me first off. And of course, it's pronounced Voltaggio. It's Voltaggio. Uh, is that is that Italian? That's hardcore Italian. Yes, that's what I thought. <laughs> Hell yes. Yeah. I got another Italian brother here. I'm half Italian, half Colombian. Oh, no way. Yeah, but my last name is Colombian. So my dad's side of the family is Colombian. And we it's so funny because everyone mispronounces it. Everyone think, thinks it's Caicedo, but it's Casido. But I guess that's uh, technically like the white American way of saying it. Do you, do you um, usually like correct people if they do it wrong it depends if i'm like in a rush and i don't care then i'll just be like yeah that's my last name <laughs> but then if like i really want to correct someone i'll correct them i only ask it, I have it, this one friend who has like a mispronounced last name and he just didn't care so he would not like correct anybody so it was like only like six years into the friendship that i heard it pronounced differently and he's like that's actually how it's pronounced so i just never corrected anybody <laughs> <laughs> oh my god that's, i yeah, I guess at that point, if, you're, if your last name is that confusing, it's just like, whatever you say is what it is. And I'm just move on, I guess. <laughs> roll with the punches. Um, anyway, so, uh, Matthew, I wanted to have you here, have you on here, because one of my clients, Jace, who goes by Disco uh, Killed the Drummer, incredible producer, really makes some fun stuff, has been working with you. I guess he's a mutual client. After listening to the po a podcast episode, I can't remember which one he had mentioned, he realized he needed to kind of start diving into some marketing stuff and happened to have found you, which it seems like a lot of people are starting to be in that situation. But you go under the artist name Best Friends Club, That's right, and it yeah. seems like you have found the little secret sauce to marketing music because, what was it, just last year, about a year ago, you had figured out how to basically get on editorial Spotify playlist, self-releasing your tracks and getting over a million streams. Is that correct? That's correct. I would say uh, maybe not the secret to overall music marketing. I think it's maybe more of a secret of like Spotify side of things, like kind of hacking the algorithm and kind of boosting Spotify streams. Really a little bit more of that, which I've dialed in. But I mean, I mean, in the last year or so in particular, it seems like that's all anybody really cares about, really. So <laughs> that's what, yeah, that's what everyone cares. About. It's yeah. funny because like my most downloaded episode is literally about how to get more streams. Yeah, that's that's all it's about. So it's it is very clearly a topic that I mean, most EDM producers or I mean, most artists in general, in general. and even, maybe even podcasters in the future too that's where they're pushing it's just like any creative. well and <laughs> yeah 100 percent. and spotify i know spotify just which i'll mention this at the end of the episode because i've got a little i've got a tidbit of information i need my listeners to do but apparently Ooh. spotify is releasing ratings for podcasts now wow. which is going to help with algorithms for podcasts makes sense i think their whole thing is like they've been switching it's like spotify is the, the place for 
audio they're not saying yep. music anymore they're really pushing podcasts lately yeah it's pretty crazy they're i mean it's a it's a smart move they're really extending out their brand and like i mean scooping up massive podcasts too for exclusive deals um i think they've got i don't know how many they have now I, it's got to be at least like maybe under 10 now it's you know joe rogan was the first was one they scooped one. That up the, that was the big one yeah. and then now i know they they had a couple i think that podcast call me caller daddy i think is now exclusive on spotify which that was they were with barstool sports oh um, but, right okay and that was i mean i think that was like a 20 million contract dealers Dang, huge they're going out to the the biggest ones they can <laughs> yeah it's it's pretty wild but but i going along with this it's spotify is kind of the place to be it's i you know it's an interesting i for for me for electronic producers i'm still maybe and this is maybe my old school mindset of how i was raised as a producer before spotify was the monster it is now i still think beatport is like a massively beneficial place to hang out for producers just because you get I mean, you can get so many accolades in terms of charting, which is really good on like an EPK um, and to potentially sign to bigger labels. It's I'd say sometimes it's easier to get supported by bigger artists because the further up you're climbing the charts, artists are looking for new tracks on there. Like and like actual like DJs like trying to play out tracks. Exactly. And, you know, they have radio shows that they might be buying your tracks. And then on top of that, it's I mean, people are paying a flat fee for your track so yeah you actually get paid not like a fraction of a penny (laughs) exactly you could get a bigger return on your investment if you do it the right way but that might all change though my attitude towards that is probably going to change after this podcast because you're self-releasing your tracks meaning you're you're not you know you're not getting a 30 percent cut based off of a record label and if you get a million streams you're getting a fraction of that and then Potentially, you know, if there's a co-write involved with that, if there's a vocalist like that, that margin of percentage gets smaller and smaller. So you're self-releasing <laughs> and still getting the benefit of a million streams. So you're still collecting that paycheck yeah. at the end of the day, which is, I mean, it's why if you can get an artist who is pumping out really high quality tracks and they can hack the Spotify algorithm like you and they are releasing a track a month and they're getting that million a month i mean that's that's like that the, is potential that's full-time job salary money right there really exactly <laughs> it i mean it's it, it's it's really interesting so i'm so excited that jace had introduced us because this was like i was waiting to find a guest like this so i i'm very very excited to have you on this is going to be a really fun conversation uh so to start it off i mean kind of go into your background your story tell us about how you went from working your day job kind of working on music throughout your life to now as of this week or last week quitting yes. your job going that this is the Spoiler other pointer alert. too yeah this is the other pointer is you i mean last year you're working a full-time job figured this out and then within the last week you've quit your job because of what you've what you've found so let's hear your story tell us a little bit about you and how you got there yeah so I guess like one I guess one thing is like, I haven't just been working on music for just like the last year. I've probably been I've been doing some sort of music stuff since I was like 13. I'm 30 now, so it's been a while and there's been a lot of like, you know, playing in bands, playing shows, like 
I think the first thing I was trying to make pop off was like a MySpace page, like back in high school. So <laughs> sounds about right. <laughs> Shows the age there, right there for sure. Uh, and then basically went through like a like a slow transformation of the kind of music that I wanted to put out. Real quick, talking about it is like basically I was kind of against a lot of electronic music for the longest time. Um, and then I went to this festival, did a little bit of M, and like there was this one. It was a remix of uh, uh, Red's. Uh, something what's it called in the sky by um norman uh, something i don't know i'll just name drop the it's the remix by red axis the song's called in the sky check it out it's like an older like 60 70 tune and it was kind of like remixed to be like more electronic oh, is it, I was wait like, no is it fire in the sky i think it was can't remember no <laughs> i don't I, know i think it's like is it gonna, norman green green bomb or something it's like let's I, look this we're gonna have to look this up <laughs> right look it up uh, but Basically, that was kind of the experience, and then from that, I was like, "Yo, this is cool! Like, I don't have to be like a stubborn like it needs to have guitars in it for it to be cool." Like, spirit in the sky, spirit, spirit in, the sky. in the sky. There it is. Yes, there it is. Um, and so from there, I started kind of doing more electronic stuff, and then I was playing around with like Facebook ads to kind of like build uh, like my audience there. I think one of the first things I was doing was running Facebook ads with the objective of growing like a you could create bots inside of Messenger. And basically having like this like world where you could like take quizzes and unlock songs and all that kind of stuff, which was cool, but it didn't really go too far. Uh, and then I think it was sometime last year or maybe the year before that, where I was starting to just like release a few songs on Spotify. Like I did about 52 weeks in a row in 2018, I want to say. I worked on a new song and put it out on like YouTube or Facebook, that kind of thing, like not really pushing it hard. But the idea was each week I wanted to finish a full song from complete start to end, mix it and master it and then put it out there. So by the end of that year of doing that, one, I got pretty good at making music. And then two, I had 52 songs. So I started releasing them once a month on Spotify for maybe the first like six months of doing it. I didn't give too much of a shit about it. And I wasn't like I wasn't really into Spotify that much. I wasn't like, oh, I don't want to definitely put money into it and like run Facebook ads to Spotify. I was kind of ignoring that and wasn't into it. Uh, then I released a song on, I released two songs on like a smaller label and they were, they were like, Oh, can you put a bit of money in Facebook ads to kind of like push it? I was like, okay, I'll do that. And also like, it's more of a special release. So I kind of want to have a good impression here. So I put a bit of money into running Facebook ads over that. And that song did okay. Like it did basically before then I wasn't even hitting anywhere close to like that 1000, Mark, you know, it has that little like, right. alligator, and like you're under a thousand. Don't the worry about what the <laughs> yeah. It's like what a shameful way of being like, hey, your music's not doing well. Exactly. <laughs> but all my releases had that, and I think once I did did a bit of Facebook ads to it, it broke that mark. Maybe hit maybe like two thousand streams or something like that. So then I was like, okay, that's kind of cool. Let's like keep trying that. Obviously, it wasn't like a return on investment thing at that point. It was like, right, people are listening to my music. I'm pretty happy about that. Um. Then I think the next song did a little bit better. Um, now that one hit a bunch of different algorithmic playlists. I think in the first month it maybe hit like 10,000, which is, was great. And then I think right. now it's at about 40, which is pretty nice. Um, and then after that, I released a song called Lilo. And this is kind of interesting. It seemed like from running the Facebook ads, my Facebook ad hit Martin Garrix, if anybody knows who that artist is. Um, oh, yeah. And then he tossed that song in one of his Spotify playlists. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Whoa. And the reason that I, I like I have a feeling that's how he found it 
is at that time uh, with Facebook ads, you can basically target different interests, different artists. Um, and one of the artists I was targeting was Bonobo. And so I noticed that in the playlist, um, it was like a Bonobo song and then my song. So it almost looked like he was like, <laughs> wow. <laughs> like there was like, seemed like that might've been the connection. Like he was listening to Bonobo and then like Facebook decided that's one of his interests. Then my ad found him and then it just happened to slide me in, under there. I was like, that's nuts. <laughs> that is real quick. I want to, I want to pause there. This is a really interesting marketing tactic that I've never thought of, but like finding an artist now, I mean, if, Finding an artist that you look up to, you reference a lot of their music, you're writing similar stuff, find out who they listen to, and then yet being able to add that interest of like, just to like on the off chance you happen to end up on their feed and they can, that is a really interesting tag. I mean, I'm sure you weren't thinking about that at all in the moment, but specifically the goal. I mean, also like just to go on a tangent, but you could also uh, sent ads based on like zip codes and stuff like that. So theoretically, if you were oh, like, shit. I know this artist lives in this area and I think he's interested in these things, you could target those interests, limit to that zip code. And like, you could, you could technically run an ad, say like, Hey, Joe Rogan, like, listen to this and <laughs> try to hit him. <laughs> no guarantees you do it, but <laughs> that's wild. I didn't even think about, oh, wow, that opens up the realm of possibilities of like, just, I mean, just from the stance of like, I want to try to end up on their playlist or see if they start if they find my track and then they buy it and they start supporting me somewhere that's like damn okay that's really cool that's really really awesome uh, something i haven't fully explored maybe that's something i'll try to do but like theoretically you could use facebook ads as a tool to do that um so yeah so that happened which was pretty cool and also that was kind of like one of those like i feel like a lot of like success in music in general is kind of like stacking wins and so that was felt like one of those first wins it's like whoa like if that happened what else can i make happen you know what i mean and just like is that little bit of confidence as well as like like a feather in the cap kind of thing all of a sudden you can kind of like it's in it's in my bio for everything <laughs> it's social credit it's social credibility yeah i mean it's exactly what it is 100 percent. uh so obviously after that i was like okay that's cool i'm gonna keep trying this kind of facebook ad thing like focusing in on trying to grow spotify um from there, I did a couple of extra releases. You know, some did okay, some did not that great. And then I think this part is kind of interesting. I had this like kind of a not the coolest idea in retrospect because it didn't do too well. But I was like, I wanted to actually. I guess one thing I should say first is then I also released a remix with an artist uh, that was larger than me. Her name's Mallory. Shout out Mallory. And uh, that also was kind of the, the first one that got on an editorial playlist. Same kind of strategy, running Facebook ads to it. And it seemed like from release to release, it was picking up streams on those algorithmic algorithmic ones like release radar and that kind of stuff and this was the first one where it seemed like it was added i don't know if it's a full editorial playlist it was called um fresh finds basement i heard that it might be what's called an algatorial where it's like i don't know something in between them i don't know if there was an actual editor like picking up that one but that one was kind of cool um nothing too crazy on that track either maybe it was like twenty thousand streams or something and then i remember it was i think it was in october i released this like remix of the Canadian national anthem um, from Canada, by the way, I don't know if I mentioned it <laughs> um, kind of almost more going for like a, if anybody searches like Canadian national anthem, maybe they'll find me like an SEO kind of thing. Fucking bombed. Like that didn't go well <laughs> at all. 
like it went, that was like easily probably the worst campaign that I ran. Even like the like the first Facebook ads campaign I ran, the first time I tried, did significantly better than that one. Um, which is like to say like there's ups and downs with this thing, especially considering the next one was the song that I released called Lo-Fi Nights, and that one now has like 1.7 million streams. Um, so that was directly after that huge bomb. And so this one, I feel like the main way that I really did get this one is um, by releasing music consistently, like month after month after month, especially if you do a single at a time, you can pitch that single to the Spotify editors. Uh, so basically, you, you're probably not going to get their attention at all. Clearly, I didn't get it for like months and months and months. But I think by being consistent and putting in those pitches, like getting in front of them, but they're probably ignoring you, but you're getting more on those like release radars, you're getting those algorithmic playlists and all that kind of stuff building momentum getting in front of them a little bit more often it gives them a reason to be like okay what the fuck's going on here like i'll listen to your damn song so finally that one picked up and went just nuts i think it landed on like three or four editorial playlists with the biggest best one being um i think it's called lounge house and there's like 1.5 or 6 million people on that playlist that's huge which was badass yeah it was like really cool and like honestly in terms of like roi and all that kind of stuff like i definitely made nothing back really like relatively like maybe up until that point i made like 40 bucks in royalties <laughs> um but it was it was definitely building like a buzz around my like artist name before then but then obviously getting in like a huge editorial playlist and hit, starting to hit millions of streams that's like was really nice <laughs> in terms of credibility as well um moving on from that i figured what should i do next particularly i did a little bit of research into this uh, there's a lot of information about people talking about like how to get on editorials. Mostly it's just like a, here's how you pitch it in the back end and like hopefully you get it. I was trying to look for like, what do you do once you get on one? Because it's, <laughs> it's <laughs> everybody no talks <laughs> right? Yeah, the, there's no information on it. Like it's really more of just like, oh yeah, you can get on it and hopefully you do, but you probably won't. It's like, okay, that doesn't really help anyone, <laughs> <laughs> let alone after actually getting some. Uh, so I did some digging and I had to kind of, I guess what I found was an article where it was, it was the head of marketing at Spotify, not like the Daniel Eck guy, the main guy. So the head of marketing was talking about, like, what do you do once you get on any of these playlists? And I think the main thing that stuck out was he said something about, we're looking to see if when you land on one of these playlists, if you lean back or if you lean forward. So I think basically the idea is like, are you just letting the editorial playlist do all the work? Or are you actually starting to drive more people to that song and promote it as well and get streams from things other than that playlist? So I decided to lean in. And what I did was a couple of things. One thing was I kept running ads, but I switched the ad to be a, uh, instead of running to the song, it was running to a playlist, which was kind of themed around that song that caught Lo-Fi Nights. Basically made it so it's like you land on the playlist, the playlist uh, cover is the album art. And then the first song is that song. So like, there's a connection between like ad and um, like the whole experience of seeing the ad and getting to the music and started building up a playlist. So that playlist, I think, has about three or four thousand people, probably like more like three thousand people following it now after running ads to it. And I think that was just nice because it was another like way that that song was getting streams in addition to the editorial playlist. And also now at this point, it's built up an asset for me. So anytime I drop a new song, I can throw that in there at least for a little bit. Or if it makes sense to leave it in the playlist, I could leave it in there. And that helps with newer releases. And then also there's like a, at a certain point, generally it's about a thousand followers on a playlist and like certain other requirements. But then you can 
be one of the playlists on like playlist push and submit hub, submit hub and all that stuff and make a little bit of money. It's not crazy money. Like from what I've seen from it, it's maybe like 50 to a hundred bucks a month or something from accepting or like going through those uh, submissions, not crazy, but at least it could like help facilitate ad spend and all that stuff. And it does build an asset for your own music, which is kind of nice. Um, Moving, it's almost like diversifying your portfolio a little bit. That's exactly like, right. And like, I think that's what they were kind of like that quote was talking about where it's like, are you just like letting us do the work here? Or like, you serious about this? Like, are you putting any work yourself a little bit? Well, more? I, the, the other thing too, is that you have to remember with these tech companies and uh, you know, something like Spotify, Facebook, uh, Instagram, like all of these companies, the one thing that I learned early on in marketing with like music was on, Facebook and like when you're making posts now, Facebook is pretty much pay to play now. If you have a business page or a music page, whatever it is, five percent of any organic posts we'll see. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then to make it matters even worse, Facebook will not show your post to pretty much anyone if you're sending them outside of Facebook right. somewhere else. So like if if you're posting a YouTube video or a Spotify link, they're going to be like, mm, we want them on Facebook. Yeah. So we have our own Spotify thing. Exactly. <laughs> Spotify is going to do the exact same thing where they want you to bring people to them. So if you're bringing them business, they're going to see that. And they're, you, you know, it might not be someone literally at the Spotify headquarters looking on their computer watching you, but it's going to be these algorithms that are noticing, oh, hey, you know, Matthew's bringing us more people to his playlist let's push him more because he's he's leaning into it that and that's essentially i think what it is kind of like generally looking at how anyone can succeed on spotify my understanding of it is what the algorithm is looking at and by effect what the algorithm is looking at what also the editors are going to be looking at too is the percentage of people that are saving your song when they listen to it the percentage of people that are listening to it more than once um and the and the amount of people adding it to playlists. So stream counts is obviously a factor. Like the more streams your song has, that's great. But also if like zero percent of people are saving it because it's all bots that are listening to it, or if no one's repeat listening to it because it's clearly not that good of a song, like the algorithm can see that kind of things. So it's looking for like, oh, like this type of person, which you can target on Facebook. You could target people that like this, this, and this, bring them over. And then the Spotify algorithm will be like, oh, this specific person is listening to this song and they're saving it about like 40 to 50% of them are saving it. That's pretty fantastic. Then also it looks like they're also listening to it about twice each. And it seems like a decent amount of them are also adding it to their playlist. So the Spotify algorithm sees stuff like that and goes, let me push this thing out. My whole objective in my life is to keep people on Spotify. So if I see something that people are listening to and liking and saving, I'm going to push that out to similar people so I can keep those other people on Spotify. And that's kind of like how it seems to work. It's very similar to like how even like Google works and how Facebook works. Like all they're trying to do is keep people on the platform. Spotify is no different. That little tidbit of information is extremely valuable because it it takes this idea of like, okay, so I, I need to get streams on my Spotify tracks. So let me, let me just, you know, in my marketing campaign, I'll send out an email to my list showing people and having them either pre-save it or just go stream it. I'll post it on my social media channels and I'll see if I can get some friends to post it as well. And people assume, well, this is what I'm supposed to do. This is what works, right? But then they don't get anything and they're like, what the fuck? Why isn't this working? 
But having these like this treasure trove of other tools that you need to be utilizing, like shares, playlisting, like getting people to not not just for your listeners to stream it, but to playlist it or keep playing it over and over again. It it unlocks this idea of like, okay, now we can adjust our current marketing strategy and like what our goal is. What's our goal? Do we want someone to just stream the track or do we want them to stream it and playlist it and keep playing it? Like now we can get into a different mindset of like, let's actually come up with a much better strategy on what marketing terms we're going to use or how we're going to actually develop a different strategy other than just like posting the link and getting people to click the link. It's got to be much more than that. Yeah. And I think it's a pretty important distinction too, because if it were, if the whole name of the game were just number of streams, then it would make a hell of a lot of sense to go on like, scam my spotify.com or whatever and just purchase fake bot streams and i think that's also a reason why that spotify makes these kind of the goalposts is so that it's going to send the song to people that are more likely to listen to it but it's also not going to reward people that are doing sketchy ass shit basically i i know people who have bot farms who literally are like which is so funny because it's i've talked about this in the past and we can even you know, talk a little bit about it right now, but bots are like the, even bots on like, let's say getting Facebook likes or Instagram followers. It, it does no one justice. It, it fucks you over in the long run significantly. People are like, they're so obsessed with numbers and they think that, Oh, if I just have this big number here, so-and-so is going to pay attention to me and they're going to want to sign me to their label. They're going to want me to play shows. They're going to want me to do X, Y, Z. But the issue there is that they're, those people are under the assumption, if you're giving them those big numbers, that you have some sort of valuable asset or resource that they're needing. And so them putting their money on you, you know, betting on you that you're going to bring this traffic to them. And when they release a track, you bring nothing to the table. <laughs> or let's say you play a show for a venue and they assume, well, this guy has... 50,000 followers on Instagram. How would he not pull heads to our venue? And then you play a show and no one shows up. That's an issue. Because there's no true fan base. Exactly. Now it's like, oh, this person's full of shit. But then you also run the risk of these companies are getting very smart about how to detect bots and people faking their numbers. And that's a... A, that's a quick fucking road to a ban. Yeah, I mean, so, they will outright ban and delete your entire account. I think that's like something that's been coming into play a lot more recently. I think especially in the last year or so where it's like they seem to be taking a lot more seriously. I think they're officially calling it artificial streams. And from I'm seeing because I also started teaching some of this stuff and like so I'll get questions about this and like it seems like what they're doing is like if you if you if you fuck around they might first just remove the streams. Um, so say if you only have actually three streams, but you bought 30,000, all of a sudden one day it's just going to go away down back down to three and actually show the actual number of streams. That's like almost like step one. Second thing is that they're starting to remove tracks now. And then I don't know if it's like, if it's like a strike system or if they just decide to, then they're also pulling down the artists as well. And on top of that, it seems like they're also talking to the distributors too. So it's, it seems like um once, if you get a song pulled down, then say if it was like DistroKid, because I think DistroKid does this, where they'll be like, yeah, you're not going to release anything for, with us anymore. 
not this artist, not another artist name. Like we don't want to, we don't want you doing this at all because you're ruining our reputation as a distributor. Wow, as well. so. <laughs> that's a problem. Yes. Holy shit! <laughs> so it has like pretty big implications. Let alone just the fact that you're not actually building an audience. Let alone like, oh, I mean, yeah, what's, what's the point of having thirty thousand million streams if it's not actually like a single person's listening to you? The whole goal is to have people listen to your music, not bots you know what i mean so. it's yeah it's you know i really think it's it plays into the ego just people are their ego is telling them that they need to have big numbers because they'll look good in mm-hmm. front of their friends and family Industry, it, it looks yeah. yeah it looks like they're accomplished but in reality it's like i mean you could do it all day and you could tell people you're accomplished but at the end of the day you're like deep down inside you know you're you're full of shit yeah. like it's it doesn't fucking mean anything. So, but yeah, the man, I, I, I've pushed so hard of like, do not go the bot route. It, it does nothing for you. Whatever you think you're going to get out of it, you're not going to get it. It's, you're not going to get recognition. You're not going to get shows from it. You're, you're not going to get anything from it. You're not going to get, you're not going to feel fulfilled. You want to talk about like, ha- like creating music and art and something that you love and having this passion and, getting trying to get something out of it those bot streams are not, not going to give you that. that and it's like spotify's actively moving against this so you're probably just going to get your shit pulled anyways yep and do you know if those bots actually count towards a royalty payout so that's actually what i w- was going to talk about next so like um one thing is it does it will count so that's wow, why spotify is now being way more active against it mm-hmm. so they're like now they're actively trying to find out like Who's doing this? How do we who's, remove those who's streams? Who's quite literally stealing money? Stealing from money, and like I believe that my understanding of it too is how the, that royalty uh, number is uh, created. It like almost changes on a monthly basis, and it's looking at like the overall amount of streams happening on the platform, and then uses something like that to figure out what the actual rate is for the month. So by adding in fake streams like that, you're also reducing the payout for everyone involved too. So there's oh. also some like other technical implications as well oh interesting i didn't realize that that's like a pool so it's it sounds like they almost have like a pool of royalty money and based off of wow interesting based off of the stream rate of everyone they're going to divide that out whoa that's really interesting so there's like uh many reasons and then obviously spotify's in the i mean they're not i don't think they're a profitable company but they're obviously they're trying to make money um so they anytime no, it's if you look at their margins it is fucking crazy how much money they actually lose and yeah. then people like listen i'm i'm all for artists like making more money yes i get that but the thing is spotify has no money to give that's a, that's what people have not wrapped their head around artists have not wrapped their head around the like looking at their their profit and loss ratio and they make no money at fucking all, which uh, is like the issue is the, sure they it'd be nice if artists could get paid more, but there's there's no more money to guess, pull out. It also I think the, the main real way they make money is from investment. I think I think they're publicly traded. and If not, they definitely have like individual like angels and all that kind of stuff. I think also what gets annoying is when you see like the, the CEO of Spotify the company's not profitable, but he's raking in hundreds of millions or whatever it is. So then people see those kind of things they're like, okay, you want to give a little bit of that to us? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I'm curious, 
you know, if you look at that, I'm really curious if like if if okay, if he if his net worth is XYZ or is that is that his salary he's taking away from Spotify or is it other investments that he's made just in assets that he's built up over the years? That's I think, the I think that's why I'd be interested. It's probably changing. I, I think he just like I swear I saw something that he just invested like ten million dollars into like military contracts or something like that. Some weird shit. It's like, okay, so the money is not going to artists it's going to you when you're putting your money into stuff like that eh? uh, <laughs> well, that, yeah and i'm sure that's just an accumulation of assets personal assets so, yeah it's, at that I'm, point I'm, yeah. It, yeah it's it's really it, it's i'd be curious to see what his salary actually looks like at spotify like what is he taking away from spotify personally because i uh, yeah i wonder i i don't know if that's public or not because if it's, I mean, if it's less than a few million, then it's really, he's really not taking that much. Seems like he Especially takes $330,000 a year in compensation. That's a salary from, from... Yeah, but then I'm wondering if there's like bonuses and stuff like that. Oh, there, I'm sure there's some sort of bonuses. But if he, if he, uh, if it's publicly traded, he's probably a majority stock hold. He owns a majority of the stock. Yeah. So uh, I think he owns still 10% ranking. of it or something like that. And it's okay, $16 yeah, billion, so, that, so he has like $1.6 billion. Yeah, so that's what he's raking in then from shareholdings and getting interest on that, and then yeah. But I mean, three hundred thousand for a yearly salary is fucking nothing. But I would be curious what those bonuses look like because I, that's I bet those. Is. I yeah, I bet the bonuses are like over a million, if oh, not yeah. more. Which is yeah, okay, which is interesting. But even then, still like you you increase that fractional rate that they have, and I bet when you look at the dollar amount at you look at the account after that it's it's probably an extreme rate of additional money that they're losing based off of just adding a fractional amount 100 percent. and i think yeah and then that to bring it all back full circle that's definitely why they're being more aggressive with it right yeah like they don't want to pay that out and they don't want to like be known as like also i think actually another thing too is spotify is actively trying to push their like spotify ads kind of program and it'd be hard to sell ad space to advertisers if the advertisers knew like the majority of it was, was bot streams anyways. Like they don't want to be spending money on ads to bots. So that's like another component to it. Right. Yeah. Let's, let's jump into that ad spot ad space. Cause I think you were telling me that you do buy ad spots on Spotify, correct? No, I haven't. I've I was looking into it okay. uh, and I chose not to, like I might maybe do as an experiment, but right now it seems like, it's not as advanced as what you can do with Facebook. Uh, and there's also like when I'm running my Facebook ads, I'll only usually spend between like a hundred and two hundred dollars Canadian for like release. So I try to keep it pretty like pretty lean cuisine. And I think with the Spotify one, it's like you have to spend a minimum of two fifty and like I've heard really bad things about it actually. So I haven't been too active in trying that. Like I want to eventually, because like one thing is like uh, Facebook ads have got me where I'm at and I'm pretty appreciative of that, but I hate Facebook ads. They're constantly changing. Like it's, it's very frustrating to keep up with all the changes, like especially right now, like in the last little bit, there's a lot of Apple iOS 14 oh, changes. Dude, making it oh, I, brutal. it's a nightmare. Dude. And that, that kind of stuff is always happening. And like at end, at any point they can be like, okay, uh, Cambridge Analytica happened. We're going to jack our prices up a little bit to make up for some of the lost money. It's like, it's nice, but it sucks to have like, have your balls in their hands you know what i mean like if you don't have any other this i want to get into this in just a in just a minute 
I want to I want to go back to the Spotify ad thing because I agree with you. I haven't looked into Spotify ads too much, but that's I mean, Spotify ads could be so extremely valuable in terms of a source for other artists to promote their music. And I mean, it's almost like it's ironic because for for Spotify, because it's like a filter loop or I guess I should say for artists, it's like a filter loop where artists could be posting their tracks to attract more eyes and people to Spotify to play their music to try to get money from that and then they invest it just right back into Spotify to grow that additionally so it's like they could keep this filter loop going if they had the right ad platform specifically with like just being able to target playlists like I want to target this playlist because this is the thing that I was wanting to do with my podcast where I was like dude if I could just spend Whatever amount I want in terms of budget, you know, not a minimum, but like I want to spend five dollars a day or whatever on Spotify ads, similar to how Facebook runs their ad pl- ad platform um, or Google. But if I wanted to spend five dollars a day and just have some sort of pre-roll 30 second ad that I could be running in a playlist that's specifically for electronic musicians, that would be I mean, I would literally be able to tap into the audience exactly that I need for this want. podcast. It, yeah. But which it is, does it, not have that ability at all. It's like something no. like you can do, I think as an artist, you can do like your own listeners or like maybe people that follow you, stuff like that. It's like you can't like, with Facebook, you go in and be like, I want to target this artist, this artist, and this artist, and this genre. Granted, as long as they have like a big enough audience for it to show up in Facebook, that's a thing. But with Spotify, you can't do that. It's very frustrating. Yeah, it's it's so weird. This one little thing could, I mean, they could wipe out a majority of Facebook ad users just on the artist side, track in all this extra money for profits, but then it would also wildly benefit artists. Yeah. I mean, to it's insane how how beneficial that just the targeting playlists would be. It, and then you, I mean, you could get into the realm of, now let's specifically, specifically target you know, an artist, an artist. Their audience. If you were doing like a remix or a cover, you could like send that cover like to a song or whatever you wanted to do. Or for your song, sounded a lot like X, Y, and Z songs. Like, oh, if anybody loves that song, if they heard my song, I know they'd love it. You'd be able to do that. And like, really, like that's where Facebook is nice. Like, if you could do that on Spotify, I would definitely be interested in doing that. But also, I guess another thing that does also suck with Spotify ads as it is now. Is when I was trying to run like a an ad to my own music, what the way that I do it on Facebook is I send the from the ad it goes to a like a smart link music link page that I just created myself using WordPress, and like then I have a button and you can click listen on Spotify and that takes you to Spotify. With Facebook, it's all about the Facebook pixel. You put the Facebook pixel on things, and then that's how the Facebook ads platform can know when uh, the objective that you want was hit. Say listening on Spotify and then optimize around that. So when someone completes that conversion event, it could be like, okay, that person was X, Y, and Z. They were this age and this age, and they can use all the crazy, creepy Facebook stuff to find more people and bring them over. Spotify, one thing is that they do not let you put the Facebook pixel on Spotify. So that's why you have to go around those little like hoops. You need to send it to a page and then have the conversion event fire on the listen on Spotify to kind of prevent bots from hitting it and get as close as possible to that actual event that you want to happen. But one thing that's also really annoying is Spotify ads. You can't send them off to one of those link pages and then back to Spotify. They want to just keep you on Spotify. And the main reason that I didn't like that 
is one nice thing about when you're sending it to your own page, you can be collecting the pixel data for Facebook, for Google, for YouTube, all those other ones. So you're, you own the data a little bit more as opposed to like only keeping it in Spotify or only keeping it in Facebook. So it would be nice if you could run Spotify ads to your page, then you'd be able to pixel it on Facebook. So also hit them with Facebook ads to bring them back, but you can't, they don't allow that level of I know control. this is the other thing that I brought up so many times before too I can't remember who I met but th that one little thing I think it was a podcast episode I mentioned but like the pixel too like if you could add your pixel to Facebook that uh, so for for anyone listening who just has no fucking idea what we're talking about in terms of the pixel the pixel is like like what you were saying you paste this bit of code on your website um, depending on, you know, sometimes you have to install it in like what's called the header, or if you're on something like WordPress, there's an application that you would download to your WordPress site and you would just input this little secret key there. And that essentially allows your, allows Facebook to connect to your website and your Facebook account so that it can, it can now tell, okay, any users that are associated with this website are also linked to this Facebook business account for the process of ads so that they can track conversions. They can create lookalike audiences of anyone who's visiting your website. They look at their Facebook account and they can say, okay, this person is like you were saying, this demographic, this income range, they went to this school. Yeah. They, they have these interests and they can find someone that looks just like that person to now you can start running your ads to that. So if you just, just so listeners can understand what we're what we're saying and what this big picture would look like if you could take that pixel and you could add that to your spotify account that would mean that you would now be able to track all of your conversions on facebook based off if you're just sending them directly to spotify you can now track when someone plays your stream that could count as a conversion that could be your and conversion then you could counter. set facebook to be like optimize around that so i yep. want you to send ads to them whenever that stream uh, gets played that's that's a conversion event now find similar to people to that and get that for yeah. as cheap as possible but then i think exactly this is probably why they don't want to do it because if if it was like that not only would facebook be tracking when you bring somebody from facebook to spotify and then you'd have that pixeled data it'd also be all the users on spotify that stream it too so if you like that's one thing that was super annoying for me is like landing on these editorial playlists having hundreds of thousands of new people listening to my music if i was able to also pixel those streams then i'd be able to hit them up again with facebook ads super cheap but because that's not all integrated it's just in their system and it's lost and they're just two middle fingers up at you basically like right well <laughs> i'm curious how much data facebook would be able to extract from spotify if spotify allowed because that's what you what, you, what spotify would be doing is Spotify would be giving Facebook the keys to the kingdom of looking at all of their analytical data. So I can do whatever they want with it. I think that's part oh, of the like terms of service. Like, oh, thank you for that billions and billions of data points. Well, and I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm curious. I mean, they would be able to probably do so much with that information. I mean, potentially even launch their own streaming platform and like hack it, like do the same things that Spotify. I'm, they, that that would probably be a ridiculous dump of information on that. This is, and this, I mean, takes me back to my point of the most, uh, a recent podcast episode I did on the blockchain and how that would change the music industry and essentially 
what we're talking about would be like it'd be on the level of like the the freedom of the internet in the sense that no one owns the internet so like no one would directly own the blockchain to be able to have this data out like this data would basically be public access and you could use it in ways however you want for your music it would it would be extremely transparent in terms of what you're getting what's happening with your information um and uh, especially if you're talking about royalty payouts and what the value of a stream you want to have for your track there's there's a lot of really interesting interesting stuff with the blockchain that i think I'm, I'm curious like if anything is going up against spotify with music it would be like the blockchain and if it and it's interesting because they're if like comes... counter opposites right like spotify's like infinitely infinitely produced and or reproduced and like given like no value and then blo- like blockchain stuff i guess i'm thinking more of nfts at least in particular where it's like technically it's infinitely re- reproduced but no but for the purposes of nfts it's not easily produced and it has a decided value not like a fraction of a penny that's decided with a pool well, or whatever the, like the proprietary element of like an algorithm and how that algorithm is controlled and how it's out of your control is so dangerous to like what you have as an artist and the brand that you've built especially because we're going to get into this you're at the whim of that algorithm you're at the whim of that company um take the blockchain out of that and you're or take take spotify out of that and replace it with something like a blockchain and you're no longer necessarily at the whim of this one specific company you're just at the whim of what your skills and budget is in terms of marketing and how you can get in front of people there's still so many logistics in terms of like how that needs to be dealt with and worked out and what it would look like i think also like for that in particular like getting to a level of like common understanding i think a lot of people like find it very confusing and will not participate because of that it it is very yeah i still even get confused with some with with certain things different aspects of the blockchain and how it could be used but like smart contracts and the ethereum network is i it's that would be the way to go in terms of being able to maintain the process of of like watching streams who's streaming it what the value of that stream is and then being able to pay you out like all of that on the Ethereum network with smart contracts would be the way to go. And I think uh, Blau is either working with a company or he's also, he like, started the company. It's Audius or something like no, that? that no, no, it's Royal.io. Dead Mouse, I think, is the one behind Audius. But Royal.io is all about um, essentially moving the music industry over to the blockchain and streaming. Um, it's really interesting stuff. but that's that's a whole nother episode to <laughs> to get into which which i've done you know i did a basic theory on what the blockchain would look like and how it would change the music industry but like getting into actual streaming stuff and a company building a platform on the blockchain that would be a whole nother episode yeah. but real quick i let's let's talk a little bit more about your your process so because i, I i'm sure there's there's a lot of people listening they're like okay this sounds cool this is maybe the route i should go but i still don't understand what how do you how do you go from having no streams at all to this massive amount of streams so i'm I'm curious what does your process look like like let's say you you got the final master for your track it's ready to be released because you self-release what does your your whole promo plan look like from 
point A to point B. Now, obviously, I'm sure you have you might have some secret sauce stuff that you don't want to give out. But in terms of like, what can you tell us like that, especially if there's little tidbits that really significantly helped you? I think first thing is you have it like the song mixed and mastered. That's definitely one thing. But I think a huge, huge component of it, and I do like to stress this, is having like 10 or 11 more songs ready right away. Like, I think the name of the game here is releasing a song every single month for as long as you can do it. Main reason for, for number one is, I kind of mentioned, like, there's, like, the Relief Radar players, playlist, all that kind of stuff, and you can pitch the Spotify editors. You, the Release Radar in particular, uh, you can be on that within the first 28 days of the song's release, and that also gives you the opportunity, if the song does well, to be pushed onto the Release Radar of similar listeners as well. So... To maximize that, you want to have as much music ready as possible. Um, you want to be able to release one song one month and then get ready to release the next one like almost like a week or two after you've just released that song. Um, and I think this is important because as an artist, like it can be very challenging trying to complete music on time and all that kind of stuff. And then music marketing is not fucking easy either. So if you're putting yourself in a position where every single month you need to write, mix, master, finish a song, and then also to prepare all the, the music marketing stuff, you're, for, like, you're setting yourself up for, for failure. I would say make sure you have like, a solid batch of tunes that you're ready to release. Kind of have like, a rough idea of how you want to release them over the course of the next couple of months. Say minimum at least six months. And then that way, once we actually get to this checklist kind of part, you can just focus on the music marketing and deciding maybe, like, maybe being a little bit playful with like, which song you're releasing, which order. You can kind of pay attention to like, oh, how did the last song do? That one was kind of chill and it did really well. So I'm going to do maybe a more chill one again. You can do a little flexibility of how you're releasing it, but have that music ready to go so that you can focus all your efforts on the music marketing without being distracted and getting stressed out about having to finish a song. Then when it comes to like actually releasing the music, the first thing obviously is get the music done. Then you're going to want to submit it to DistroKid or your distributor, whichever one you're using. Generally, there's a lot of different advice going out there. I usually just try to do it at least like three weeks in advance is all I really try to do because usually these distributors are pretty quick. I think with district, it'll take like two or three days and then that'll give you the opportunity to pitch to the editors. So once you have it submitted through the distributor, a couple days later, you're going to pitch it to the editors. You're going to only do one at a time. That's why I recommend going with singles. Um, and then you're going to want to do that at least a week in advance too. If you can kind of like the further back you can, the better. Um, then once that's done, the next thing that I usually will do is I will start preparing all like the creative assets for the ads because the main thing that I'm going to be doing for my releases is running ads. So this is going to be the main things are creating like video ads, which usually what I'll do is like have like three, about three different variations. It's usually just kind of like basically like the artwork animated and just three different sections of the song. And I'll do something very similar for social media too. Like I'll have uh, like the artwork, basic animation. Have three or four of those so i could drop those like once a week uh during the actual release campaign then once the ad creators are created you're going to make sure you have like the music link set up whatever you're using if you're creating your own if you're using hyped it toned in all those kind of things that's kind of that that step then the next step is just to take those things set that up into a facebook ads campaign and schedule it to run on release day i usually prefer to do release days on mondays instead of fridays main reason just being uh, it gives you a few extra days in my, I guess, hypothesis. You can be running traffic with Facebook ads for the first couple of days to kind of like pre-juice the data. 
then on Friday when the release radar gets pushed out, which is every single Friday will be a release radar push, there'll be a bit more data there, and then you can start getting boosted streams from the release radar. Um, also, in that kind of step of scheduling the Facebook ads, I'll also go into like the Facebook Creator Studio and schedule out all the social posts for like the next three or four weeks as well. And then after that, that's honestly basically it. Like the whole like ninety percent of it for me is setting up in the pre-release, like making sure that I've set up the ads, which audiences I'm going to send to, making sure all the creatives are set up, then scheduling all that stuff so I don't have to worry about it. So that way on release day, I can just chill. I can respond to like messages the best that I can, which I'm not always the best at, and then just make slight, slight tweaks to the Facebook ads. And like every three or four days, you want to check out on the ads, make sure things are working, cut campaigns that aren't working, add a new test, whatever you want to do. I'll usually run the ads for about two weeks, sometimes three if it's going well. And then at that point, I'm hoping to have triggered the algorithm to kind of get on more release radar playlists. Obviously, if an editorial happens, that's great. Um, and then after that, after about one or two weeks after the release is done, getting ready for the next release right away. Right away. And that's like generally the path. I should probably, I guess, plug. If you go to bestfriendsclub.ca forward slash release dash checklist, I have like a seven step checklist that anybody could check out. It's basically those steps. And then each one of the steps, it's kind of like interactive. So you can click it and be like, okay, distributor, here's how to do that. If you don't know how to do it, here's more information, all that kind of stuff. But that's basically how it works. I'll put that in the show notes too at nvsaudio.com slash episode 69. Yes. We got to episode 69. 69. <laughs> Hell yes. Hell yes. <laughs> Forgot about that. We are immature and we'll, we'll play on that joke. But um, uh, th- that'll be there for you guys to check out. You guys can click that and go, um, go download, download that checklist. So I- I'm curious. The one thing I didn't notice that's involved with your, your kind of promo plan is pre-saves and getting people to pre-save your your spotify track have you played with that at all have you have you gotten any results from it what, what so what's i've your tried it um from running facebook ads to pre-saves i didn't see the best results it was very expensive nobody was really doing it and then so i guess from experimenting with a little bit like my kind of like final conclusion and obviously i'll keep testing as i go on but right now it just seems like if you're going to spend your time your energy and your money trying to get somebody interested in your song you might as well do it when you've got their attention they can actually listen to it right away i think particularly if you're spending money on it like there i think i saw some someone did research on it there's a cool company called entrepreneur and i think they did a video or something about this where they were looking into it and they saw that there's actually no the algorithm's not going to boost you for pre-saves or anything like that it's oh really no it's actually just um it just saves <laughs> interesting it's not the pre-save no aspect idea. it's just the save aspect so the same as if wow. you were running it on any other day right. um so i think that's kind of interesting it's really it just comes down to like saves repeat listens the overall number of streams and playlist ads it can kind of get a bit more on release day but also man okay <laughs> you're gonna do a little <laughs> bit of venting also if you've ever tried to pre-save a song it's fucking so annoying like it is the way that the integration works, it doesn't like save your Spotify information. So you're going to click it. Then you're going to have to like type in your username and password again, authorize it every single time. And then you have the luxury of pre-saving this track. Like no one's so doing much that. Friction. <laughs> no, it's so much friction. No, and here's the thing. You'd be lucky. You have great fans if they do that. Yes. You'd be lucky to run ads to random fucking people who have no idea who you are and get them to do that. Yeah, it's ruthless. way too much friction. Yeah. yeah. So I think. All those reasons are why I kind of 
I'm not too interested in the idea. And I know like people seem to think it's a cool idea because it does seem pretty cool. Like, oh, like people can pre-save it and like it'll also add it to the playlist and also I'll get their email. It's like in theory, that's fantastic. But like, I think in practice, especially because at the end of the day, the user experience is so poor. It just doesn't it doesn't work. I don't think. Right. It's going to put a bad taste in people's mouth. And if especially if they would potentially be a fan, they might not be a fan after that. And if you're spending like money to do that, too, it's just I think it's better. Ways. Might, as well, <laughs> might as well burn your money at that point. dude. You will <laughs> yeah. at least get some heat from that this winter. But uh, <laughs> um, uh, that that study is interesting. I'm going to check that out. If I, I'm going to look for that, find it and I'll post that in the show notes because that's really interesting because I'm get, now I, I'm excited to hear people talk about how it's important to pre-save tracks and then i'll be like no you should look at this study because yeah. <laughs> it's not that because i was that person i was the person that was like pre get people to pre-save your track if you want to get involved in the spotify algorithm but now it's like oh no that's bad advice do not do that i mean that's just a, if, a waste of time and energy if if there was a way that you could like if you had like a mega fan base and you just had to like say on your like twitch stream like hey everybody pre-save it and they just do it yeah sure but i think from like like I think our perspective where it's usually like, yo, we're just out here trying to get a couple streams. We don't, we don't have a huge fan base or nothing. We have limited time. We have limited energy. We have limited resources. Um, I think it's important to like put those in the right areas at this stage that we're all probably at. I agree. And I think this is actually a perfect transition to go into what we were, we were going to start talking about earlier about, this idea of these platforms and the fact that we're kind of at the whim of whether it's the Spotify algorithm, whether it's the the way Facebook ads runs and they const they're constantly changing their ad plat every ad platform is constantly changing. Whether or not it's it's YouTube and potential censorship they have going on. Like there's there's a lot of different aspects of these these massive companies and these massive social media platforms where if you're not playing by their rules you could get fucked or if their rules change and you're not necessarily breaking anything or doing anything sketchy but just a simple switch of a little bit of code in an algorithm completely alter the way you're i this happened to me so um i don't know if i'm I see. I don't know if I'm shadow banned on Instagram or what. I, I'm not sure what I did wrong, but a couple years ago, I was putting out a ton of content on Instagram daily, with, or was it like yeah, like daily, or it was like either every other day, every few days. I can't remember. Maybe it was weekly. I I can't remember. But I was putting out a ton you're of all content. In, you're all in. I was all in putting out a ton of content, doing it consistently, and it was working. Yeah. It was working. A I mean, my growth was, I mean, I'm just about to hit 400 followers. But mind you, at the time, this I had just started my business. Um, I had no followers, and I built that following over probably a year or so from zero to, I mean, I was getting... I was getting at least one or two, maybe three new followers per day just based off this content I was creating. Every time I created a post, I was getting like 70 plus likes, a bunch of saves, yeah, a number of shares. Meaningful. Like, yeah, it was it was consistent. It was exponentially growing. There was at one at the at the height of it, I was at something like 200 followers. And within one or two months, I had gone up another like 100 followers. So it was like exponentially growing and it was fucking fantastic and then my engagement and interaction went off of a cliff uh. overnight i have no idea what happened my strategy didn't 
I didn't change my strategy. Um, I was thinking it might have been hashtags, like I had been banned from some hashtags or something, but it was engagement plummeted and it's never been the same. That I've tried no, I've tried I've tried changing the content I'm creating, I've tried changing hashtags, I've tried you know, like different strategies of like changing the alternative text or whatever in it which is like for the accessibility feature for people who are uh who are like blind uh they use voice activation stuff and so it'll pull up content based off of the different alt text that you have but i tried all of these different strategies and never has my account ever been the same reaching the same amount of people like i was I was reaching people that had nothing to do with my account that weren't followers or anything. And that's how I was getting followers. And it's never been the same. So it's, it's instances like these where a simple switch of something, whether or not you did something wrong or they just changed the platform. Again, I have no fucking idea what happened to my account. I've gotten no answers from support. I've reached out to them multiple times. I've reached out to other people to see if they can give me advice. I've tried that advice. Doesn't work. Nothing happens. So. This right here is a perfect example of why you should not rely 100% on trying to grow on one platform and that's just your dedicated source. That's the biggest route to failure when something goes wrong where your reach doesn't hit the same, the platform dies and something like TikTok emerges and now you need to try to build somewhere else. I've talked about this a number of times. So how important is it for you to be collecting leads in conjunction with your ads or or aside from them with whether it's collecting emails or just getting people onto your website how important is that factor to your entire system in your growth i would say like it's definitely it's very very important um i think even one thing is collecting leads so uh collecting email addresses that's like the ideal situation that's kind of like the the difference between like renting an apartment and owning a home. Uh, the the renter can change the deal at any point, and you're on on out on the street. Whereas if you own a list of emails and you're actually emailing them and speaking to them as often as you can, you actually own that space and you get to make the rules there. You can say this is now a membership and it costs this much per month, or you just can reach them for free at any point. You don't have to spend ads to reach them, which is basically we were actually talking about it earlier in a small way, but. Like that's what Facebook was doing. You used to be able to build up your Facebook page, have just post stuff to Facebook and everyone would see it. And slowly over time, they're like, eh, we're going to push that to 60%, 40%, 30%, now only 5% or whatever it is, sees those posts because they changed the rules. They want you to spend money on their ad platform to reach those people. So it's pretty important, I think, to build out your own uh, like ecosystem, your own space. Um, I am still kind of figuring out how to do that from an artist's perspective. I figured that out from like a more business perspective, which we can get into because that also did lead to like the me quitting my job thing. I don't know if we mentioned it on the full thing yet, but from an artist perspective, what I'm really interested in, and this is kind of what I want to really focus on in the new year is I want to figure out how to build like a Patreon, but maybe not just a Patreon, more just figuring out how can artists build their own memberships. Um, one thing about Patreon that seems good is there's like the name recognition and all that kind of stuff. But I do know that they take like 10 or 15% of the the rates and all that kind of stuff or whatever you, the pledges. I don't know what they call them. I still need to research it, which I will be doing. Um, but also, I'm kind of bullish on the idea of if you own a membership, then you could also have a free tier. And I don't think Patreon really has something like that. 
I really like the idea of like you could like build that free tier, which essentially would be an email list, but I think people would respond more to a membership. Figuring how you could have some kind of recurring content, whether it's like a live stream, access to unreleased songs, whatever it is, and then you could have people join the free tier and then over time when they're ready after you've given them a whole bunch after you've go given a bunch <laughs> go giver uh, <laughs> well dude i'm not even kidding you my fucking listeners i've shoved that book down their throats okay perfect this so they, they, probably, they caught that then. <laughs> oh yes oh yes this is probably the 30th time it's been brought up over the span of the entire show go giving is the way to go so i'm thinking like similar ideas but in a membership context and that way you can get people on for free. There is that like one thing that's talked a lot about in like lead generation and like the marketing world is having something called like a lead magnet, something that you can give away for free. That's a value that people actually want to be like, I want to give my email address to that so that uh, we can stay in touch and maybe you give me more stuff and then maybe I might buy something. Um, I think it's very difficult for music because it's been very hard. Maybe before it might be, here's a free download, but with streaming and the value of an MP3 going down to nothing, it's very hard to have that carrot, but I think the idea of having like a maybe like you do have a Patreon and that first tier is five dollars, but you can do the free membership. So like there is a value to this that you are getting for free. You're saving five dollars a month and getting all this access. I think that might be an interesting carrot. And then the idea of then you could build out your own membership, then you could have more advanced tiers. Maybe that could be enough to start paying for Facebook ads for growth of the membership and the Spotify. You could actually be building that house so that you have this audience. And if Spotify says we're cutting the rates in half and also whatever <laughs> whatever they decide to do, right? Talking about the membership thing, I think building your own membership platform on your own website because Patreon can do the same Patreon thing Patreon can you. do the like, exact same thing. Exactly. Ex- very exactly. good point. Exactly. And, and we've done, you know, I did a whole podcast episode on Patreon with um, actually another another guy named Matt. Um, and I'm forgetting his last name, but uh, also hard to pronounce like my <laughs> and ours, I guess, really. he he has a Patreon. His Patreon's fucking badass. Um, his website's awesome. He he's built a he's built a solid following. But you know, Patreon's very valuable. I think that there's a lot of great insight on that episode to on how to build a Patreon. I'm check what, that out. That's, I'm, what, I start researching it basically. It's, it's okay. Matt, that so. I think that podcast episode will yeah, be episode? a good insight for you. Do you because know that number. It, what was uh let me i can look at it right now it's you know after you do so many damn episodes it's like all the <laughs> all of the names and titles like numbers I, like that oh yeah what i've hit i'm almost at 70 and so it's like i don't even remember what the 13th episode <laughs> out people will tell me about episodes i'm like was that an episode i don't i don't really remember it but i think that'd be while you're searching it i think it'd just be valuable because i don't know anything about this but like one thing is I feel like I figured out the Spotify algorithm. I figured out the Google algorithm too. If we talk about that later, uh, getting an idea of how to use YouTube as well. And now I'm at a point where it's like, okay, I've conquered quite a bit. My confidence is at an all time high. I feel like I could fucking figure out memberships. And if I could figure out memberships for artists, I think that would, that'd be such a memberships, huge impact. I think memberships is the next tier for indie artists who want to be independent. Cause, cause this is what we're talking about. Like we're, what we're talking about is, is building that house. You're building these assets that you can utilize for yourselves so that you can go full time. This is, this is what it's all about. It has to accumulate to this. And you, I, you just might not get that with most record labels today. Most record labels don't. I've talked about this so many times. Most record labels 
do not give you what you're looking for and what you're supposed to be getting when you're giving that royalty percentage. Record labels are supposed to be building this house for you in terms of like they're running the ads, they're getting you the streams, they're giving you all this access to this audience. And said so they're just because they're just usually. <laughs> That's what <they're>. exactly <laughs> because they're they're supposed to be getting a return on their investment for putting in the dollars of promoting your stuff, but. Th- they're just an extension of distro. Yeah, they're paying they're the, just, the ten dollars a year for distro on your behalf. Thank you so much for that. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And then on top of that, they will they'll with a straight face turn to you and say, "All right, what's your budget to run ads for yeah. us?" And you're like, "What the fuck am I doing? <laughs> like, I have to now pay money to give away a royalty percentage. Yeah. That's what you're doing. It's it's." It's fucking lunacy. This is like one of my dreams is to start a record label and actually do what a fucking record label is supposed Mm, to do. Like support. That's my goal. Exactly. That's my goal. That's like going to be my pet project for much later down the road, like in a couple of decades. That's kind of my goal in mind because I need to, again, with a record label, you have to have the capital to withstand these huge investments. You have to have that capital. Um, so it's, it, you know, when I hear people in their twenties who are like, we're starting a record label, we're doing, it's like, okay, are you a record label or are you a distributor? Because yeah, what, what's going are, on are blurring here? in a, exactly. A Episode way. 49 is Patreon, your blueprint to success with Matthew Ebel. I'm a hundred percent episode. That That's like a first phase of the, of the new year is I'm just studying Patreons trying to figure it out. So I'm definitely checking that up. Yeah. The, the, but the membership thing is like it, it it's that ownership is so fucking valuable and, po- and and important where it's you don't own your memberships on Patreon at any any moment. Patreon can increase how much they're going to take from you. They could ban you. Yep. They could like there's you're just leaving you're leaving your fate in the hands of others. And we should all know as producers that that's not what we do. I'm sure there's a lot of collaborations people have had. There's a lot of shows people have played and they put their faith in the hands of others, hoping that they're going to get something out of it. And it they fall flat on their face and they realize how bad of a time investment this was. So you cannot leave. And it's the same like TikTok. You can't leave your fate in the hands of one single platform. If you're growing it on TikTok. You need to have some sort of third party or not really third party, your own own source that you push that audience to 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 take. Like, so uh, the idea of all this and what you, I love what you're building, I'm seeing the pieces fall into place is it's like at the very baseline, what you have is you have good music and the tier above that. Yeah, and lots of it. And the tier above that is now attracting people to whether it's your Spotify account or your Instagram account, whatever it is where you want to funnel that audience into. You need to start getting eyes on that music, music to start building that fan base. And, and the from there, you, with those the actual fans. Exactly. And then from there, you need to push those people somewhere. You, it, you're, It's a sales funnel. Yes. We're creating a sales funnel here. It's like at the top, we have good music. In the middle, we have pushing people to these platforms where that music is heard, where they'll enjoy it. And, our own and at the bottom of that, we now need to push those people off of those platforms onto our own platforms. And usually it's those super fans being pushed there. And lucky for you, the listener, 
those super fans are the ones that are buying your memberships and sharing the fuck out of it and like getting their other friends signed up on it and involved in it. So the end of that needs to be getting them onto our own platform where we own that audience. Again, we're think of us. We're small Spotify's. We're small Facebook's. We don't want them on that Facebook platform enjoying our content. I mean, we do, but eventually we want them also pulled off of that space. So that way, when those things at the top change, when instead of Facebook, it became Instagram, instead of uh, iTunes, it became Spotify. When those things change, you still have those actual fans in your own space at the bottom. They can be like, okay, now it's this uh, site and my music's on this. And you can actually direct them to that without having to spend money to get them over there. I think that's how you like the best way to like weather storms. And whether it's iOS changes on Facebook or Spotify royalty rates going up or down or them just thinking you did artificial streams by mistake and kicking you off, like owning the fan base and creating a special, unique experience for them so they actually want to be there. I think that is probably the future, or at least that's where I want to focus my time figuring out how to how to get that and how to show other people how to do it as well. I agree with you. I think well, this is the thing that I've been pushing a lot of a lot of the listeners to in, in getting themselves in this, this mindset of being a business owner and, you know, artists shy away from that and they want to be as far away from that as possible. If that's, if that's you fine release with record labels, because that's the idea yeah. of what a record label is. Or they're the they're to there to handle for a management company or whatever you need to do. Like it, they, they handle that business side of things. Yeah. If that's the route you want to go, go for it. If it, it if instead, though, and most of the listeners here are like that, it, like this, if you want to be independent and you want to run things your own way. Now, no, that's not discounting the fact that you do have to establish and build up a team over time because there's there's certain people who have better strengths than than you who can who can accomplish things in a better way. That's that's not discounting that. And you only and have that, so much time too. Exactly. There's a need for that. There's a need to establish a team, someone who could potentially book you, who, you know, in an agency or something like there's a time and place for that sort of thing. But at the end of the day, if you want to go full time, unfortunately, you you just starting out, especially where we're at now. There's so many of us, so many producers, so many DJs, so many artists. Um, it's so accessible to create music and put it out now. The music's not enough. That, that's the music's not mm. enough. It will never be enough ever again for some. And I've said this a million times for some, it will be. There are those Martin Garrix's of the world. There's the very, very slim, small percentage of people where it's just they have the connections and all they have to do is put out music and then they can play shows. And that's and, it. But those have always been those are the exception, not the rule. And it's becoming even more like that. It, it, we are now in a world where you have to start coming from these things of being a full-time artist from a business mind mindset you you have to figure out a way to take this thing you've created and market it in a way where you can get eyes on it and start curating streams or purchases or whatever and turning this audience into an asset and building this house that you're you're trying to build that's what we're trying to do here so interesting like i also remember there was a quote i think it was from the the ceo of spotify and everyone was so pissed about it but it made so much sense I think the quote was something along the lines of like, hey, uh, it's a new era of music. You can't like sit back and release an album every three years anymore. You're going to have to release a lot more frequently, engage with your fans a lot more. And people were really pissed about that. And like, sure, I guess it sucks that we all can't be Radiohead and release masterpieces every three years and that's it. But like if you're starting from scratch, like 
you do need to be a little bit more, you need to be way more out there. You need to stay in front of people more often, engage more often. And like specifically, if you want to succeed on a platform, it's like one of those things where if someone's telling you who they are, believe them. And Spotify is fully saying this is what you need to do. So to get like up in arms about it, it sucks, but it's like, it's what needs to be done. You need to be more consistent. And like the artists that are more consistent or persistent that really do want it, will figure out ways to put out more music and actually promote it and get it in front of eyes and stuff like that. Yeah, I agree. And when we're looking at this too, from a business mindset and like the market, let's look at the market in general, the free market. Okay. When there is a need for something like music and let's say 10 years ago, 20 years ago, when there weren't these streaming platforms, it was difficult to, write record produce mix master and release all of your music that was difficult to do so the value of that was much higher when we look at just album sales in general like if you're selling an album um at a store that price of the album is going to be it's going to yeah, cost that it, used to be the distribution chain instead of spending 20 bucks yeah. on DistroKid, you had to figure out how to press the music get it properly recorded in a studio forty thousand dollars for that then the like the distribution was getting it into a store if you couldn't get into a, a store or on radio, no one could listen to it, yeah. which makes a lot of sense. But now it's so easy to, to it's a lot easier to it's create music the, on your own, get it up on your own, all that. There was so much less competition 20 years ago, people doing this, that it was much easier to just make the music, figure out a good system of putting it out, getting it in front of people and those people will purchase it. It was much easier to do that. Mm. Now we're in an age of the streaming platform and iTunes really changed this all. And then Spotify you know, embraced it even more and just provided the new way of iTunes and releasing music that, and that coupled with the fact that to create music, it became so much cheaper that all you needed was a laptop and $300 and you could write a platinum winning record. You could do that. You could still do that today. It, it cracked copies of free loops and just using like the piano roll on your keyboard done. It, it, if you if you have a creative ear and you you know how to structure music and you know music theory, you can do yeah. it. So the competition has increased, I mean, probably in, infinitely. I mean, the, the amount of people who can now access writing software and just write their own music and then they can literally pay. I mean, you can go to uh, um, uh shit why am i i can't believe i'm blanking on the the, one of the free distributors i think there's a couple amuse.io amuse.io rootnote does it too and i think a couple of them have like three tiers but they take a big chunk of the percentage yes well amuse gives all of your royalties and it's free that's badass so it's yeah so um like you go to a platform like amuse and you can literally put your music on itunes and spotify today you can put you can make some shitty fucking 16 bar loop and put that out so like the ability to do all within $300 or less. I'm $100 or less because FL, you could buy $100 or you could just like crack yeah. it. Or you could literally like, steal uh, it. And does 90 day free trials or something like exactly. that. <laughs> like, you can literally do this for free now. So the, 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 the plethora of music now being released, the competition that is out there is so massive that you can't get away with just the music. This is coming from a free market business side of looking at things. When you have, a massive amount of competition come out with a product like that at such a cheap level. Well, now it's no longer like it's such a fucking crowded market that you, the only way to, 
to do this is to stand out through value propositions and good marketing and trying to make yourself look better than the person sitting next to you. That's the only way to go about this, which is why like getting involved in Facebook ads and marketing and creating your own platform and the, you know, talking about going a step above this with a membership site. This is the way you're going to be able, this is the new way of music. It's the new artist. It's the, and, and I'll tell you what right now, if you can figure that path out, you will never need another normal job again, because you can, there are so many other opportunities out there for you, whether it's actually marketing for other artists, whether it's teaching people how to do it, whether it's selling different checklists or, or ways of going about it. like. There's, you could go the content marketing route and create a podcast dedicated to that and make money just off the pot. Like you could teach guitar, you could teach anything that you've learned how to do. You, you could, could get hired by a record label. You could get, there's so many other fucking avenues you could do. You could go just from learning this one skill set of how you establish an audience. The, the world is your oyster at that point. And you'll never need to yeah, work in no, another normal not job. Not even something just like limited to music. It seems like any like a YouTube content creator, anything like that. No content creator is valuable until they have that audience. Like no, uh, nobody's going to want to give like a partnership, like sponsor my video kind of thing to an artist that doesn't have uh, an actual audience built in. It's all about building that audience. So whether if you're an artist or a TikTok dancer or whatever, building that audience is so important. Anybody that knows how to do that or knows how to do a portion of that, extremely valuable. And then I think too, like one thing definitely want to get into, um, is I've, we've talked about it a little bit, but I've just been able to quit my job and go full time with music as of, uh, a couple of days before recording this podcast. Like literally it's only been a few, few days ago. Um, and the way that I was able to do that was by diversifying my revenue streams significantly. So at this point now I have about like 4 million streams on Spotify and that's pretty great. But that's really only like four months or so of full-time income. And again, it's very similar to like being beholden to only one source or whatever. Because like I was on a bunch of different editorial playlists. The majority of those streams were coming from those editorial playlists. So I knew for a fact that over time, they're going to have to slowly like move my song off it, if not within like a week or something. Because usually that's almost a problem with a lot of playlists. You get on the playlist, uh, people don't really listen to you that much. Like they're not saving your music because they're just listening to the playlist. And then eventually you're off within a week or two because the playlist creator needs to like refresh the playlist. I was lucky enough to be on a lot of these editorials for like months and months and months, but I knew over time that that stream count was going to go down and then so were those royalty payouts. So what I personally did was I just started teaching people what I did. Basically with a lot of stuff we were talking about today, starting writing articles about these certain things, making YouTube videos, starting to figure out how to get like ranked on Google so that I have a decent amount of people visiting my website each week. And each month and then slowly adding in things like ads on the website, ads on YouTube, affiliate links, uh, sort of building a, a little course that I only privately sell on the back end of my like email list. All these small little things were slowly building up my revenue streams as the royalties were going down. And now I have like a nice little diversified s source of revenue streams and I'm able to do the thing that everyone wants to do, quitting the job. Yeah. Th the diversifying is the thing too. It's like, it's, one, it tells you, it, it kind of shows you what do you like to do? Because you have to test these things out. You have to figure out w what is it that you like doing? 
And the only way to do that is to diversify and test all these different, whether it's, you know, doing the marketing stuff or it's teaching, um, something. creating content, yeah. teaching it's, you have to, you have to figure it teaches you what you like to do, but then it also allows you to not rely again. Like we've been saying, rely on one thing. The one thing when you go into like invest and you, let's say you're going to some sort of stock broker um, or like, for instance, my girlfriend does, she works at Northwestern Mutual, which here in the U.S. is a company that handles financial planning and advising, and they also sell life insurance. And one of the things that they talk about is diversifying your investment portfolio yes. so that <laughs> yeah. when there are when there are those big ups and those big highs, you're still riding those and you're getting, you know, you're making a lot off your investments. But in those big dips and those big lows, you don't feel it as much because you're not beholden to one company something that you're invested in. That better could... while something's tanking and it kind of it just exactly. Makes it so it even exactly it evens out the playing field. Um, as you know, we're, we're coming up on time and we're about to wrap up. Mm -hmm. But there's there's one thing that I wanted you to kind of talk a little bit more about because when we're at I'll preface it with this. When we're talking about running ads for our our tracks and, and different things that we're marketing and trying to get out there, the one thing I want to say to the audience is it's it's very important to consistently work on those ads. Like your first the first ad you run is not going to be successful. It could very well be that the 10th ad you run is not going to be successful, but the 11th ad could be. So it's it, just as with producing, the way you get better at writing music is consistently continuing to write music. The better you get, the, the, the way to those successful ads is consistently writing ads, testing them, figuring out your way and finding what works like you. You have to do that through investment of budget. You have to do that through consistent, consistent, consistency of writing tracks and promoting those. Um, you just have to be on these platforms and testing them. So one of the most important things I'd say we could say is don't get discouraged by bad ads that don't do well and keep working on them. But going a little bit deeper into that, I'm curious, what advice do you have to listeners when it comes to testing? What, what is it that you're testing? What do you focus on? What numbers do you pay attention to? And uh, what should listeners also be paying attention to? So with Facebook ads in particular, really the the main thing that really makes or break an ad isn't usually like the, the caption. It's not usually like the actual ad creative as much. It seems like the biggest thing is the audience. So I think the biggest things that you can test are the audience. So trying, uh, you know, different artists against different artists and different ad sets or artists against uh, different genres that you might want to do. And then also when you're creating your own custom audiences and lookalike audiences, testing different lookalike audiences, say like 1% of Instagram versus Facebook versus 95% video view watches. There's all sorts of different things you can do as well as targeting different countries. You're definitely going to want to do that. Um, it seems like really the main thing that I've noticed, and it seems like a lot of like the general consensus teaching Facebook ads kind of thing is that audience is the most important 100%. Well, with that, I think that pretty much wraps up everything we wanted to nail. Is there any, are there any last words that, that you wanted to say just in terms of like the episode topic? And then after that plug away, cause I know you have some, you know, personal business stuff that you're offering for artists, which 
very valuable, I'll say right now. But is there anything in terms of the episode topic that you'd like to nail on the last little tidbit? Yeah, I think really the main thing is like whether you're doing Facebook ads or TikTok or anything like that, and really it does go hand in hand with what you were just saying, is that like it's really about the consistency and putting out a lot of music. So by releasing more music, you have more opportunities to get better at producing more opportunities to get better at running campaigns, whether it's Facebook ads or a TikTok campaign that you're doing more chances to get in front of your audience, have them remember you deep in the connection. Each time you release a new song and they enjoy it, they're becoming more, you know, bonded with you or whatever the cooler way to say that is the more times you release music, the more often you're going to be having a chance to trigger the algorithm, the more chance that you're going to have to put pitches in front of the Spotify editors. And all of that really just makes you better and puts more of your music out there and grows your back catalog. I think it's really the most important thing. And it's also by doing it consistently, consistently like that, I think that's really what builds momentum and starts stacking your wins, whether it's you start getting over 1,000 streams for the first time, and then by doing it over and over again, you're constantly passing it. Then all of a sudden you're hitting 10,000. I think that's amazing for you to experience that. And then also I think it's amazing for the, your audience, the fans that are actually watching that, to see that happen. They want to grow with you. And when they see that kind of growth and you actually celebrate your own wins and give them a chance to also celebrate it with you, I think that's where the momentum really occurs. That's when you might start seeing more streams triggering the algorithm. That's when you might see the editor editors being like, oh, okay, this guy's being this guy or gal is being very consistent. I'm seeing it grow all the time. I'm gonna to add to that momentum. I'm invested in that person's growth and I wanna help push them further too. So I think really that's what it's about. And like I heard a quote before where it's something along the lines of quantity begets or quantity breeds quality. So maybe you're not the best right now, but if you keep putting stuff out, trying your best each time, over time you have no choice other than to improve not just your music, but also the stream counts and the people following all that stuff. Like, be consistent. It's going to suck. It's going to be hard, but it's worth it and it can pay off. Perfectly well said, <laughs> Matt. I appreciate it. That was, that was beautiful. Love it. <laughs> well, go, go ahead and plug away anything that you've got going on right now, anything you're working on and where you would like users to, uh, or I should say where you would like listeners to go to, um, to check some of your stuff out. Yeah. So if it's music, uh, you want to hear my stuff, I guess like I'd never really mentioned, but it's kind of like chill, chill, like lo-fi house kind of music, uh, deep house music or that kind of stuff vibey, sexy kind of stuff sometimes. Um, and you can just go to Spotify and type in best friends club or wherever you're listening to music, just type in best friends club. You'll likely, you'll likely see it. Um, if you want to learn more about like this Spotify stuff and all that, I think there's two main things you can do pretty much. I've written about a lot of these topics now. So if there's anything about Spotify, you have a question about, just type it into Google and then also type in best friends club. There's a good chance that I've written about it or made a YouTube video about it. And it'll just appear in the search results for you. And if you want something a little bit more specific, Mentioned a little bit earlier, but there's this release checklist that I'm giving away, bestfriendsclub.ca forward slash release dash checklist. I think that's the best way that I could help. It kind of goes over the entire strategy and has, if there's any step that you're confused about, it tells you why that step's important, how you can get more free information about how to complete that step, all that kind of stuff. I think that's probably the best way I could help you out. Sweet. Dude, Matthew, I appreciate it. This was a ton of fun. I mean, the amount of knowledge packed into this app episode is awesome. So <laughs> I appreciate your time, man. And uh, I look forward to seeing your growth and seeing what you look like after a year of being full time with music. And seriously, yeah, congrats on well. that. That is such a huge accolade. It's so 
I'm honored to be hanging out with you in that first week and interviewing <laughs> on it. It's, 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 yeah, it's, it's real fresh. <laughs> it's fantastic. Well, I appreciate it, man. And uh, we'll, we'll talk soon. Awesome. Thanks so much. Thanks for checking out this episode of Electronic Dance Money. As always, head to enviousaudio.com slash episode 69 to check out the show notes for this episode. For any listeners listening on Spotify, keep an eye out for the new rating system that's coming out for podcasts on Spotify. So if you want to support the show, you enjoy what you're listening, you're learning a lot, and you want to share this with others, be sure to rate the podcast Whatever you feel is fair, that way the algorithm can tell other EDM producers about the show. That way they can get the help just like you. Thanks for hanging out, guys. Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, and I'll see you guys next time.